The Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference and Northrop Grumman Corporation presents Young, Gifted, and Black, a professional development seminar featuring Sector Vice President of Enterprise Services and Chief Information Officer Daniel Scott, Systems Engineer, Mission Systems Sector Deshaun Brown, Cyber Systems Engineer, Aeronautics Sector Farai Jadembo. Materials Process Engineer, Mission Systems Sector, Dr. Monique Farrell. Systems Engineer, Mission Systems Sector, Vincent Oti. And Mechanical Engineer, Aeronautics Systems, Sam Williams. Innovative Excellence aptly describes Northrop Grumman's technical talent. Their experience, skills, cultural background, natural curiosity, and willingness to always learn more makes Northrop Grumman the industry leader it is today. These participants in this signature seminar will tell about their aspirations, journeys, and achievements as they have made a place for themselves in their respective fields. Their stories are deeply woven into their community and organization involvement. They seek to inspire the next generation of engineers and other STEM talent. Without further ado, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference and Northrop Grumman Corporation presents Young, Gifted, and Black, featuring Daniel Scott, Deshaun Brown, Farai Jadembo, Dr. Monique Farrell, Vincent Poteet, and Sam Williams. Welcome, everybody. Um, Good afternoon, and welcome to Northrop Grumman's Young, Gifted, and Black seminar today. We appreciate you taking the time to join us today and making this a more rich experience. I think that um, you know part of the uh, part of the collaboration that we have at Northrop Grumman includes engaging folks of different different levels of experience across the company, uh, different disciplines, uh, different locations. And we don't always get a chance to come together and share that. And so this is an opportunity uh, wherein we try to capture that richness and share it with all of you outside the company as well as um, inside the company. So just a show of hands, how many Northrop Grumman employees do we have in the room? Okay. All right, looks like 50%. Okay. Interesting. Very good. Um, <clears throat> my name is Dan Scott. I'm a proud member of the Northrop Grumman team. I'm also... Uh, sector Vice President for Enterprise Services for our defense systems sector. Been with the company for about um, 34 years and uh, have seen a lot, experienced a lot, contributed to the environment and watched the company grow. Um, and I'm very, very excited about the panel that we have here today um, and the fact that they get a chance to share their experiences with you, um, young and somewhat seasoned. And so we're looking forward to that. I enjoy these, uh, these seminars, especially in the BEA space, um, because I think in particular, we get a chance to engage with other companies, other industries, um, people of color, diversity, and that's something that's appreciated at Northrop Grumman. And this is something that I think you'll, you'll get a sense of as we go forward here. But we're gonna learn a lot about um, aspirations, inspiration, perseverance, uh, the journeys that we've experienced to get where we are today and what motivates us to not only sustain our performance, uh, 
uh, and sensibility through those times that are very difficult in our career and personally, as well as um, what enables us to accelerate once those obstacles are removed. And so we find ourselves in different career space or life cycles. And they all have peaks and valleys. I'm sure each one of you here is experiencing something like that, whether you're in a valley or a peak. Um, as my mother used to say, um, live long enough and life will happen to you. But I think that all of the things that we have experienced is a profile in courage. And so I'm looking forward to not only hearing from the panel, but also from hearing uh, from each of you as we go forward. We have about 40 minutes of uh, engagement with the panel, and then we'll open it up to um, Q&A to the floor for about 30 minutes. Um, we'll be time kept, so if I kind of move us along, I'd, I'd appreciate uh, your support in that. There is an open mic in the middle of the floor, so when we get to Q&A, if you have a question, we'd appreciate you um, coming in and addressing that question through the open mic. You know, Innovation Excellence aptly describes Northrop Grumman's technical talent, but it's our people's experience, skills, cultural background, um, curiosity, and willingness to learn that makes Northrop the company, I think, the, the leader in technology that it is today. So our panel, again, is going to share its aspirations and journeys and achievements that have put them in the place uh, that they are today in their respective areas. But their stories are also deeply woven in community and organizational support. So you'll find an interesting balance uh, of experience from, from our panel members, and they both inspire not just the next generation of STEM leaders, but their leaders in general. And we have some of their leaders here supporting them uh, in this space too. So very, very important. I think um, we're in for a good discussion. We had kind of a pre-brief, ask about, you know, what's in, what's out. And they said, we're all good. Whatever you want to do is fine, right? We're all open. Um, so I'm going to briefly introduce the panel, uh, and then I'm going to allow them to share about themselves, and then we'll get into some questions that um, I think you'll find interesting. So Deshaun Brown, systems engineer from Mission Systems. Uh, welcome, Deshaun. Fry Jadembo, cyber systems engineer from Aeronautics Systems. Dr. Monique Farrell, microelectrical semiconductor engineer from Mission, Mission Systems. Vincent Petit, is systems engineer from Mission Systems. And Sam Williams, a mechanical engineer from Aeronautics Systems. So the first question I'd like to open um, to the panel is to, you know, Please just share with us a little bit about yourself, um, some personal aspects, where you are, um, where you've come from, um, and uh, let us get to know you a little bit better. So let's start with Sam. I work on the ETB, Advanced Warfare uh, Surveillance for the Navy. So shout out to all the midshipmen I see in there. Um, about me, I'm an avid I'm a martial artist. I've, I've trained extensively in jiu-jitsu and Krav Maga, and uh, I like to learn. And also, one of the great things about me, I just completed my doctorate. I'm a civil engineer. <laughs> 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 
Okay, excellent. Uh, my name is Farah Shidembo. Uh, I'm a cyber systems engineer um, in Melbourne, Florida. Uh, a little bit about myself. Um, turns out I also trained in Zoom for doing um, and I, I love working. <laughs> and, okay. All right, I'll go ahead and go next. Uh, my name is Deshaun Brown. I'm from Colorado Springs, Colorado. I'm in Northrop Grumman Space Systems, uh, primarily focused in the area of missile defense. So I do work supporting the Missile Defense Agency at the Missile Defense Integration and Operations Center in Shriver Air Force Base, Colorado. Uh, a lot of my work is focused in modeling and simulation of ground-based radar systems. And right now I'm supporting internal research efforts for next generation radar systems. A little bit about me, I love music. Uh, so anything from Pink Floyd to James Brown funk, I'm all about it. <laughs> Excellent. Monique. Hi, Monique Farrell. I am currently at the Advanced Technology Laboratories. I'm responsible for fabrication of uh, several layers of microelectronic devices that get funneled up into ETB Hawkeye, uh, the Apache helicopter, and are responsible also for continuous improvement, employee safety, that's very dear to my heart, replacing some of the uh, less than ideal chemicals that we're using in our fabrication processes. Uh, something about me, I like to play tennis, and I'm very passionate about professional and academic development. I love that stuff. So resume, send them. <laughs> <laughs> My name is Nicole Dier. I'm a system engineer based out of San Diego. I work in the college business unit, doing interesting testing for F35C and I um, derivatives. Something about me, I love to cook. I love to volunteer. I think volunteering is important. Make sure you mentor you and make sure that they follow the steps that we follow and don't make ourselves mistakes. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Okay. Well, looks like we have a very diverse panel. Um, so let's talk about um, your current position. So I'm going to ask a couple of questions and direct them to several of the panel members. Um, I want to talk about your current position and from where you did you join Northrop Grumman? Could be right out of school. There could be some other space. Um, Monique, let's start with you. Let's talk a little more in depth about your current position. My current position. My manager is in the room, just to let you know. Um, <laughs> no pressure. I would say it's awesome. I have a job description that is continuously evolving, and I have a lot of support from my immediate management and upper management to expand. So my primary role as an electron beam uh, engineer, again, is to fabricate the different layers of these devices, but I also have a lot of freedom that I can pick up and spearhead different projects that I'm passionate about. And one is the employee safety and removing some of the less than ideal chemicals that we have. Um, I'm also passionate about teaching and I go to my management and I'm saying, hey, I think this is gonna be um, useful to NG as a whole and they're very supportive. So I also teach uh, statistical process control, correlation and regression analysis and a, a couple of other different classes as it relates to Lean Six Sigma, uh, Green Belt, Black Belt training. And I do so love it because continuous improvement is everywhere. And we should, I think we really should embrace it. So that's uh, something that I also like to push. Um, 
mentoring, I would say, is also a part of the job description that I've kind of added. And I, I like to mentor a lot of the new and upcoming green belts. Um, overall, my main goal is to bring e-beam lithography into the next uh, regime in terms of delivering uh, technologies that kind of push the boundaries of what we're capable of doing right now. And so that's kind of where we are. And, and they're working, most of it, anyway. <laughs> Interesting. Okay, very good. Deshaun, how about you? Sure, sure. So uh, as I said, I primarily support the Missile Defense Agency, so I work directly with uh, the Ballistic Missile Defense System. Uh, so a lot of the work that I do is really focused on uh, making new radar concepts that are able to advance the state of the BMDS. And the research team that I work with, we really get to explore a lot of different concepts. We say, okay, here's my crazy idea, and then we spend a couple of months evaluating that to see if it's viable. And, you know, really all the sorts of scientific things that really inspired me to be an engineer in the first place, right? It's a, we, we have a playground where it's okay to fail, and I think that's one of the, the best things, right? Mm -hmm. I think failure is one of the best teachers, especially in research. I think that's what's really engaging about my role is that I'm given the opportunity to have a lot of freedom in how I approach a problem. And, you know, the solutions that I suggest actually make it onto our, our final production solutions, which is very exciting. Mm. That's an interesting point. Um, well, failing fast and failing forward, right? So that's kind of the mantra we have at Northrop that <clears throat> don't be afraid to lean forward and do the things either in research or even in a controlled environment like production. Uh, do the things that would improve the process of the product, um, but make sure that areas of where you may fail, you're surrounded by a team um, and a structure that helps to prevent any catastrophic issues that would occur, but you learn from that failure, you move forward, you apply it. Um, you know, Northrop has moved from, I would say, a uh, somewhat risk-averse company many, many years ago to a company that leans forward at this point of the past 10 years, and it's accelerating that, so that's great. There's a combination in here of um, employee safety and um, rocket propulsion and some of the work that happens across the company, so I think there's going to be some connection that we make here a little bit later on. Let me just stand by. Um, Vincent, how about you? Share a little bit about your current role. I am a system engineer, so mm -hmm. I um, do everything from modeling, simulation, mm -hmm. design, integration, test, verification, mm -hmm. operations. Um, before I came here, I was working with Lockheed, and there I was a test engineer. I wanted to find out more about systems, heard about systems, and mm -hmm. I had an opportunity to join Northrop as a systems engineer. And I like the breadth of knowledge that comes with it. I like not having the technical, deep technical aspect of steam I have, so this is mm -hmm. unique, but I like having a hand in the whole process going down the V. Okay, excellent. There's, um, sometimes you can be too interested, right? When I started out as an engineer uh, doing design, I'm an aerospace engineer by original trade, I know some years ago. Um, and uh, the company said, hey, how would you like to go out to Edwards Air Force Base and work on this new missile solution? I said, yeah, sure, that'd be great. And I did that. And they said, well, some of the work you have to do is down in a bunker that's three stories below. I said, why is that? Uh, safety regulations. <laughs> so um, ended up getting down there, doing some work. It, it followed a lot of the modeling and sim work and systems engineering space. Um, and we were launching um, 
missiles from platforms, like the airborne platforms, um, which was very dangerous, right? But we got to see firsthand what the actual product solution and the yield was and got to tie together the end product with the original design and, and the uh, modeling and sim. So it's a great space to be in. But if they asked you to go down the bunker, three stories below, <laughs> just you know, think about it. Okay, Fry, how about you? Tell us about your, uh, your current position. Okay, uh, so my current position is uh, very much a systems engineering position, uh, which means you get to touch, uh, you get involved in all of the aspects of whatever project you're working on, mm. which is my favorite part, uh, because I'm curious about everything. And it's a perfect position to be involved in all aspects of, uh, of an aircraft, for example. Uh, and then I just come in with the cyber perspective of how do we protect the data going through uh, all our systems. Um, so you have to kind of understand the whole system and other things that I didn't think I would, you know, learn about. Mm -hmm. uh, in order to protect the technology, you have to understand it. And it's been great just finding out, wow, there's so much to learn. And I get to just learn enough to, to work on it. Okay, great. And I think um, to your point, understanding exactly all the systems that are affected is critical. I can, I'll can i share that as Northrop um, pursues public knowledge, ground-based strategic deterrent, which is the next generation ICBM solutions, cybersecurity is the most critical discipline and element that crosses just about every other engineering and functional discipline in that system. So understanding what the impact is, not only from a technology perspective, but from a business perspective as well, and a customer's perspective um, is critical. So yeah, you're touching everything. Um, cybersecurity has to say yes, though. You gotta say yes. <laughs> How do you get to yes? Okay, Sam, you? Oh, sure, go ahead. So I, I'd like to add to the understanding the system mm -hmm. portion of that. So for me, as a new engineer two and a half years ago, uh, there were a lot of things that I didn't understand. And some of the most successful kind of break-ins for me was when I was put on a Tiger team and nobody really understood. And so everybody was putting up every single type of factor variable that we could think of that could then affect our system. And so for me, that really sped up my learning. So kind of moving forward for me to identify, hey, I don't really know too much about this area. Are they having a problem? Because at that point, everyone in the room who, who's a key stakeholder who can contribute to solving that problem is there. And I was just, I was basically soaking up a lot of information. So mm -hmm. if you guys see those types of opportunities, definitely go for it. Has anybody here been on a Tiger team? Do you know what a Tiger team is? Tiger teams are groups of, uh, of employees, it could be internal employees as well as consultants with disciplines that address a particular problem. It could be a technology problem, a business problem. It could be something real time, something that's airborne, satellite solutions, ground solutions, um, and the company needs an answer rapidly. So you pull together a Tiger team and they sequester that team and say, go solve this problem. Um, and so it's, 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 it's a known unknown, right? You have to go in with the disciplines you have, the experience that you have, and try to solve something. It can be very exciting. But everybody's watching you, right, to make sure that you come up with the answer. Okay. Um, Sam, do you want to talk a little bit about your, your job? 
Um, like I said before, uh, I'm a mechanical engineer on the E2D, Advanced Health Guide, and it's you know one of the few programs that Northrop Grumman owns from the tail to finish. That means we design it, we build it, we test it, we ship it to the fleet. We are the aftermarket support. Period. Most of the other companies, I don't like, like shooting anyone else in the foot, but. They usually like to have subcontractors like this person builds this, this person does this, and I was surprised to come up to a program where from front to end, you know, we own it. So there's no one to go to when there's a say a human error in the manufacturing environment. And that's my job is to make sure that we meet delivery based on any outcome, whether it be a supply supply issue, someone drops or decides to use a hammer on a composite structure. That was all the time. Or um, you know, just a redesigner and this plane's been flying for I want to say twenty plus years. So I have to the challenge is taking, you know, a design or uh, something that was designed in the seventies or sixties where there is no three D model and I have to make a three D model or two D drawing. And not even that, sometimes the parts are white casting, which is just a mold of what it should look like and take details on. So it it really stresses the, the detail orientation of our engineer. That's great. And you guys have been upgrading that system for quite a while. You're at the D version now, mm -hmm. right? And it's a domestic and an international platform. So right. So it delivers electronic warfare solutions and advanced warning solutions uh, across the world. So it's, it's a powerful, powerful role. Okay. Um, pretty interesting. So I have another question I have. Um, this is for Deshaun. Okay. What do you enjoy most about your position? I know you get to spend a lot of money. You work IRAD. Yeah. You know what that means? <laughs> that means you're spending margin. Okay. That's right. <laughs> so what do you get to, what do you enjoy most about the position that you're in? I, I think the thing I enjoy most is that, you know, not only is every day a new opportunity to learn something new, Right, we're solving problems that have never been solved before, which I think is especially intriguing, right? Because there's no one to go to when something doesn't work. You need to get together with your team and say, hey, how do I need to approach this problem? You know, you, you kind of put together everyone's expertise in order to try to solve something new, right? Mm -hmm. And not only that, all of your contributions are, are equally valid, right? I, I think that's something that's important, especially as, as a newer engineer, right? The idea that that my skill set that I learned during my engineering education actually makes a difference when we go to try to solve a new problem. Mm -hmm. Right? I remember when I was getting introduced to my team, they said, oh, hey, here's Deshaun Brown. This is our electrical engineer that does signal processing. And then I heard them say, hey, we can actually use that, right? That's, that's just what we need. Mm -hmm. And, you know, at first I was skeptical. I was like, really? <laughs> but then but then they started going through the program and saying, oh, here's all of our algorithm documents. And then I started seeing everything in calculus that I said, oh, I'm never going to use this, right? I'm not going to use Taylor series and all this stuff, right? But it was right in their algorithm document. And I was like, oh, maybe maybe my professor was right and I needed to pay more attention. Right? So, so really seeing everything come full circle was was very enjoyable for me. And, you know, something that I try to do every day is try to find new concepts that I can apply on the job. And it's, it's very satisfying being able to do that. Okay, that's good. Um, What's your perspective of the, the work environment in terms of how collaborative people are and receptive to your ideas or thoughts? And how important is that to 
the work that you do and maybe your own satisfaction in that environment? Oh, I think collaboration plays a very big part. I can say almost daily I'll have some of the senior engineers in my group, you know, call me and asking me questions. Mm. You know, I, I was like, I've, I've only been doing engineering for a few years and these guys have been doing it. 30, 40 years will come to me and say, hey, I have a signal processing question for you, right? So they, they definitely respect your expertise and understand that everyone has has something that they can that they can contribute to the team, right? Because I, I think the good thing about teams in general is that if you have a good team, then you can produce more than the sum of your parts, right? Mm -hmm. if, if you have if you have a team where everyone's willing to come together, then you can get together at the end of your project and say, hey, how did how do we do this? Right. It'll it, it's very satisfying to know that you know, you're able to produce something that no one person could have produced. And I've, I've definitely experienced that regularly. You're seeing that really. So Vincent, how about you in terms of collaboration in the environment? What's been your observations? I think that um, what you said is correct. That mm -hmm. senior engineers would come ask me a question. Like, oh, you've been doing this for so long and I'm new here. I'm new to this system, new to this process, but they, want, they value my input. They value what I bring to the table. Mm -hmm. And so that means a lot to me that I'm actually contributing to the bottom line, contributing to a successful system. So they don't see me as a junior engineer. They see me as a, a productive member who can help get this job done. Hmm. Okay. So, Fry, I have to ask you because in my job as a chief information officer, I've got a number of uh, disciplines. Information security is one of them. Typically the police of the organization, right? So talk a bit about collaboration. Um, and what you're seeing and learning um, and how critical that is to, uh, to success for whatever the objective is. Uh, so my team um, is very small, uh, just about 10 people mm -hmm. responsible for a whole program, all the cyber, for a whole program. So we work together like all the time, um, which is like it's awesome to see uh, like a fellow, I work with two fellows on my team, like NG fellows, which is really cool for me uh, being a young engineer um, early in my career to get to collaborate with people that have all of the experience ever about cyber mm -hmm. from when it started before it was even a thing. Um, and just uh, subject matter experts on radars, on cryptography, on just unimaginable subjects that I get to work with other people that are knowledgeable. Okay. So yeah. there's a lot of collaboration. There um, is. We, we all are very close because we're always collaborating. Even down to a presentation, we go through each line and someone uh, will point out you missed a comma there uh, <laughs> or whatever, like down to everything that we do, so. Okay, that's good. Delivering cyber solutions as a product or even as a service um, is critical, right? As you look, go ahead. And we only work uh, off of a framework. It's not super defined what we do. So we kind of have like suggestions on how to apply cyber, mm -hmm. but it's, it can go any way. So we just keep collaborating on uh, on all the ideas of how to come to a solution. Excellent. Okay, that's terrific. Um, so I have a question for uh, Sam. Um, what influenced you to pursue a STEM degree? Well, 
this, this goes more about myself, my background. My grandfather flew P 51s for the Army Air Corps oh, wow. for World War II, which, if you know your history, they were the Tuskegee Airmen, which later became the United States Air Force. Um, he was an aeronautics engineer, and during that time, you know, they didn't want folks looking like us in those positions or even getting those degrees, and he fought the professor beard and did it. And then his daughter grew up to be a hidden figure in NASA particle physicist, which is my mother. She, uh, her name is Dr. Wanda Jackson, no relation to Mary Jackson. However, she did do work with the three original women on the uh, space shuttle program with NASA, the satellite retrieval system, and what we affectionately call now GPS. So, um, as you can see, I have some huge little shoes to fill, <laughs> and that's what kind of pushed me, but more so with my grandfather. You know, we used to tinker with things, tear apart radios, and he didn't care if it was his favorite radio, he just wanted to take it apart and figure it out. And then I put it together and make it work better than what it did before. So then he was like, ah, that's my guy. I know, okay, all right. So you're 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 destined not only for success but fame too. Apparently, right? so, no pressure. Though. Well, no pressure. Oh man, wow, that's rough. Okay, Vincent, how about you? What um, what influenced you to pursue a STEM degree? I was a naturally curious kid. Mm -hmm. I would take apart electronics and try to put them back together, which by itself is a bad thing. But I would take these Frankenstein boards, exposed circuits, and try to plug them to a wall outlet. <laughs> and um, sparks will fly. So I think it's a circuit breaker, so I almost burnt that house a few times. I remember one time I wanted to see how a mechanical clock worked. And my parents kind of take apart their clock. Now we better get it. Once that sprocket pops out, yeah, sorry, it's rough. can't do anything right. that. So between my natural curiosity about how things work and inclination for math and being pretty good at math, it's probably obvious that I should pursue a STEM degree. Okay. Are you glad you did? So far. <laughs> <laughs> Until you take something apart and can't put it back together again, right? So that'll be tough at, you know, fifty million dollars a copy. So um Monique, what advice would you give to someone wanting to be an engineer or a computer scientist? What advice would you give them? I would say don't be afraid to fail. I would say when I was um, finishing my chemical engineering degree, there were a lot of failures, but that toughened me up to say, hey, you know, I made it through this, nothing's going to stop me. And so I, I would have encouraged myself earlier on to not be afraid of failure. Uh, because that just means you're outside of your comfort zone. You're stretching yourself. You're expanding. And if you're too comfortable and everything is working 100% every uh, every time, then you're not expanding yourself and you're not doing what you're supposed to do to grow. And you know, probably there's not a lot of self-reflection there. So I would definitely say, just don't be afraid to fail and go for it. And pretty much my model at this point is. Unless you give me a hard no, a very hard no, it's a yes. Mm -hmm. So be very firm in your no's, or so I'm going to just kind of push through and get the job done, um, you know, to secure the mission. Okay, interesting. All right, Deshaun, how about you? Yeah, I, I think that Monique's done that pretty well. Uh, I pretty much say the same thing, right? Don't be afraid of failure. I think that, you know, acknowledging that there's going to be situations where you're not going to know how to do something, and that's okay. Right. People are always afraid of afraid. You know, they're afraid of being being wrong. Right. They're afraid of not knowing something. They're afraid of, oh, I'm in an interview and they're asking me this question. I don't know what the answer is. Right. 
instead of instead of trying to fake your way through and say, hey, I don't know. And that's perfectly valid, right? I work with people that have been doing this stuff over 40 years and they're not afraid to say, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And that's that's one of the best pieces of advice that I've ever been given, right? It's being being unafraid of going into the unknown, right? Uh, MLK said that faith is taking the first step when you can't see the whole staircase, right? So, so never being afraid of going into the unknown and embracing embracing change, right? That's that's the only constant in life, and that's what I try to strive for as I as I've been going forward. It, and it is a constant. You're right. So, Fry, how about you? What um, recommendation would you uh, give to someone wanting to be an engineer or a computer scientist? Along the same lines, uh, mm -hmm. don't be afraid to lean in. Uh, just be open to opportunities, uh, even. You know, if it doesn't seem like it's, you know, just be curious, like, oh, I hear this, and just follow it if, if it's, you know, sparking your curiosity. Uh, because I started out, my journey, I started out as an aerospace engineer, I got my degree in aerospace engineering, and uh, an opportunity came up in application engineering, and I was like, well, that sounds interesting. Uh, I live and breathe aerospace engineering in my personal life. You know, that's what I'm always reading. Um, that's what I'm always watching TV. I was like, oh, okay, I, I'm willing to try what it's about. If not, I have time. I can always switch out. And uh, it turned out to be the best decision I've ever made. So I'd say just always be open to opportunities. Okay, good. Can I ask a quick question sure. to the audience? Mm -hmm. uh, how many uh, I guess people are currently in undergrad or seeking engineering degrees, okay, or graduate school, whatever. Okay, my general recommendation to everyone here is to do some self-reflection and first identify yourself as the head of your ship, okay? You're the CEO, CFO, you have all authority of you as a person, your strategic vision and, and manifesting that and executing it. And once you kind of accept that completely, then you have all the authority to make decisions. Hey, I'm not getting this resource. Who has what I need? Who has the money? Who has the support? So I would just encourage everyone, if you're not getting what you need, whether that's academically, professionally, uh, mentorship, you know, support in different areas like that, go for it, stop what you're doing, and then make that change. And I think, I think that'll help. Because a lot of times we tend to struggle silently and we don't vocalize, hey, something's wrong. I need help or this is not optimal for me. So that's what I would kind of encourage everyone. Good. Can I add one more thing? Mm -hmm. uh, another piece of advice, get yourself a mentor. Get like five mentors. Hey, wait a minute. That's the next question. Hold on. Wait a minute. Yes, go ahead. Um, everything she said was spot on. But I would also say, um, when I was coming to undergrad, grad, professional graduate, I was a bit arrogant or what they say confident because of my background and what I like to do. And um, just looking across the room and some of the eyes and faces, and I'm pretty sure folks are thinking the same thing. Like, I'm top of my class or um, I'm going through whatever I'm going through and I'm making it. You know, you have to walk that fine line between humility, humility and arrogance. It's like the old the saying goes, you catch more flies than honey than vinegar. And some folks can pick up on that. You, know, you can think it when it comes across your facial expression. Like, you give me what I want, so I'll give you whatever you want. <laughs> but, you know, just, and don't be afraid to ask. I mean, someone who got 20 years of experience as a PhD or a research fellow or whoever, or CEO, and they have a job, they have something that you want, and you're afraid to go to them because you're afraid of rejection. It could be you're intimidated. You've got, you've got to persevere to just fight through that. Because at the end of the day, they're, 
in those positions, folks are looking to be supplanted by people that they trust. So how can I trust you if you don't have the wherewithal to come to me and ask for me help? You're listening to Young, Gifted, and Black, a professional development seminar featuring Daniel Scott, Deshaun Brown, Farai Jadembo, Dr. Monique Farrell, Vincent Poteet, and Sam Williams. Brought to you by Northrop Grumman Corporation and the Global Catalyst for Change, the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference, where we make the untapped potential possible. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. It's, it's every leader's response. As a matter of fact, at Northrop, um, the primary objective of leaders is to make sure that you have developed a pipeline to not just replace you, but to replace your organization. There is an expectation that you will be giving people, teammates, opportunities, and their, um, their experiences will help lead them into new growth. Um, if we're not doing that, we're not doing our job, right? So um, it's critical that, for all of you out there, it's critical that you understand the value associated with development. Uh, not just learning what you're learning now, but how you develop by learning more, but also getting some exposure. You have to have the learning, exposure, um, and you have to have on-the-job experience. So, to that point, I do want to ask about challenges, right? Not that any of you have faced any challenges <laughs> in the environment, let's say, at work. Um, but share one challenge that you've recently encountered and how you're working through that. What are the things that you're relying on to work through that? You're all um, successful, well-educated professionals, but that doesn't mean it's a challenge-less environment, right? So just share one challenge that you're, that you're facing and how you're working through it. Let's just Sam, go ahead. Um, well, it's actually like a three-pronged attack of a challenge. Uh, about two years ago, I was working on the 35 Santa Cruz Lines in Palmdale, and then I got the news that my mother had congestive heart failure stage three, and she lives in Florida. So immediately, I'm like, how do I, you know, my mom is sick here, I'm working here, and I'm still in school, and I'm trying to pay, pay my career path even forward. You know, and I'm worried about a sick parent that I could lose at any minute. So that was a, a deep challenge. It took it rocked me to my core. What got me through it was one, my faith. You know, I, I believe everything happens for a reason. But also, just you know, one thing my grandfather always taught me is be be prepared to be get comfortable being uncomfortable. You know, all this is for a reason. So I immediately, and then with the great support from Northrop, you know, I went to I was able to go to my manager and also my director and say, hey, I need to trans transfer. Florida to be close to my mom, and it was like the next day. So, and that helped. And then knowing that, and then I moved here with me. So then I was like, you know what? No more living by yourself. Uh, I monitor her day to day. She's better now, much better. She was here earlier, and uh, I was able to complete my degree. And then here I am. You know, so taking that load off. So again, back to my previous point. Uh, always knowing when to ask for help, and then just leaning on whatever gets you through to this point. It's something outside of your family that got you. Keep leaning on it and remember where you come from. Keep pushing forward. Thank you, Sam. Right? Your thoughts? Um, I'd say my biggest challenge right now is just being 
is uh, uh, there are so many opportunities uh, to stay focused. Uh, I keep wanting to like run before I can walk, uh, just because I'm excited, and I think I I just need to slow down a little bit. Yeah. Okay. Good, Deshaun. Yeah, I, I think a big one, a uh, large part of my work is working with geographically dispersed teams. Uh, so, so my team members are in Colorado, I have others in California and in Baltimore, right? So a big challenge that we often have is trying to work, you know, with people that you can't necessarily see, right? Mm -hmm. And trying to build trust when, when one team member is two hours ahead, one, hour, one team member is two hours behind, you know, trying to understand how everyone works together, right? A, a big part of engineering that I think that some people don't realize is that communication plays a big part, right? People think that you can become an engineer and just be paper, pen down on paper, and then just try to work stuff out, right? But a big part is being able to communicate with others, right? So understanding who your team is, how you can gain their trust, and how you can work effectively, mm -hmm. I think, yeah, plays a pretty big part. Mm -hmm. Interesting, right? So I guess I'd like to shift a little bit. Um, instead of a technical challenge, it was more of a, not the young gifted, but it was the black portion mm -hmm. of it. So I had gone to get some respiratory fitting and they were, you know, putting the fitting over my nose and the mask and stuff like that. And so initially they recommended a medium and then someone had come in and said, uh, your nose is, is quite large. You probably need a large on that cultural insensitivity right then and right there almost took me out. But I had to kind of process and take a step back and say, okay, well, I've worked with this individual in the past. I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt here and now and kind of finish my respiratory training and things like that. And then it was after when I got back to my desk, that's when I said, you know, well, this individual is probably going to be doing a lot more of these kind of fittings. And maybe it's just a lack of knowledge in terms of kind of the cultural sensitivities around, you know, just you know, naming a body part and calling it a specific size, right? And so I just kind of sent him a quick IM and I said, you know, I hope you received this feedback and I just want to encourage you to kind of keep doing what you're doing. We appreciate you trying to get employee safety numbers high. And he was very responsive to it and we kind of was a, we were able to move past it. But for a second, that, that part right there, I was just like, well, geez, yeah, you know, right. is this real? <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I just, encourage people to get to know the people around you so that you can kind of make those split second decisions of just you know bring it back find another way at a more appropriate time to kind of communicate the issues and then kind of just bring everybody forward together you know collectively good you have to lead from the front right yeah. so profiles encouraged as i mentioned earlier today so vincent how about you one of the challenges i face is trying to get information hmm. Everybody at work is busy. They all have their number of priorities, which may not be my priority. So if I send an email to somebody needing some information, some data, they may not get to it because to them, that's not their priority. They don't see the need for that. And so that often leads me to knocking on doors to get an answer because once I'm in your face, it's kind of hard to tell me I can't give you that information. I can't give you that data. So this, the challenge of making sure what my priority is, mm -hmm. It's actually a priority and it gets done. So their holdups or their lack of help on their ends not holding up my task. Mm -hmm. So it's interesting, right? So we have um, 
personal aspects, there are some technical challenges, there are some maybe collaboration issues, there are some unconscious bias issues, um, and then the engagement part, right? So if each of you had a mentor and you had shared those challenges with a mentor, it may give you different perspectives on how to respond, right? So next question is around mentorship, all right? Um, so I'll ask a start with, uh, with Sam from the end. Uh, number one, do you have a mentor? And if you do, um, has your mentor given you any kind of advice that you have found impactful that you can share, right? So don't always have to share everything, right? Um, have they given you um, any kind of uh, information that's impactful? And, and how'd you acquire that mentor, all right? Yeah, I actually have two mentors. Okay. Um, one within Northrop and one outside of Northrop I've had for 10 years when I was matriculating through undergrad. And um, they kind of resonate the same message. Just you are very talented, you have a wealth of knowledge, you have a healthy background, and the fact is you're, you know all of this and you're still humble and hungry to learn more. Like that's, that's the thing that just impresses them like so much. Mm -hmm. Like why are you going for this degree? Why are you going for this cert? Mm -hmm. Why are you taking on a job that you know it's going to be difficult, but you want to do it anyway. And it's like, I tell them because I'm hungry. Yeah. Like, I, I know I can't learn it all, but if I can learn enough to make myself, you know, a better engineer and therefore a better person in society, why not? Okay. They, they, they both resonate that same message. Any any blind spots they're sharing with you and talking about that? No, they, they keep it no? candid. Okay. And they, and they, of course, both of them are. High, high upper echelons in the field, and they go back to American men. So they, they tell me that the, the struggle they've gone through as far as mm -hmm. you know uh, cultural insensitivity, yeah, or yeah. even blatant racism. Mm -hmm. You know, and it's they just tell me like, look, you're going to face it, right? And then just don't look at it as is. It's just it's that's the entire culture of where it's coming from. Mm -hmm. It's just one person being ignorant, or, right? Or, or the system being ignorant. You know, and and also think of this fear too. Like, because they, they fear where, you, where, you, where you're going, right. what you're trying to become. So it's, you know, I just, I take it for a grain of salt. You can't stop it. You can't stop it. So. Right. And you keep moving, right? Okay. Fry, how about you? The mentor question. As you saw earlier, I'm very excited about mentors. Uh, <laughs> uh, I have, like, four mentors. Um, I think it's pretty important because when you graduate college, you know, you have the education and you have the job. But sometimes you need help just navigating the uh, corporate world. Um, so I have, you just, I would say pick different mentors for different, um, you know. Okay, all right, great. Dijon? I agree, mentors are very important. Uh, I also have a couple of mentors. Uh, one of my main mentors within Northrop is uh, a staff engineer on my research project. Uh, he actually became my mentor. He was the one that interviewed me to actually get my job within the company uh, several years ago. Oh, okay. uh, and he was very impressed with me during the interview. And then I asked him if he could be my mentor. He had a lot of life experience. We could relate with music, mm -hmm. which was pretty big. Um, so, you know, finding someone that, that you can relate to, I think, is very important, right? Someone that, that has a lot of life experience and can help you with the situations that you aren't necessarily prepared for, right? Because... When you when you're in the corporate world, you learn that there's situations that school can't prepare you for, right? So it's it's good to be able to go to someone for guidance and say, hey, I'm in this very complicated situation. And I'm not I'm not sure what to do. 
you know, can, can you give me some guidance? And they're more than happy to do so. And it's definitely helped me get to where I am today. You know, I'm still early career, but I regularly go to them for guidance and it's been very helpful. Okay, excellent. Monique, what do you run mentoring? Love my mentors they're great uh, I have several mentors I probably can't even count and I think it's because I understand that different levels of engagement are okay at different levels of my life so or different phases of my life I should say so my uh, very first research experience for undergraduate was in 2011 I believe and so I definitely still consider that advisor as a mentor I check in probably every you know uh, maybe twice a year and that's mm -hmm. enough for that particular phase mm -hmm. and I check in and I ask him how he's doing he asks me how I'm doing now I have other mentors where I'm on the phone with them every day right. and I'm checking in saying uh, some, they're at work <laughs> uh, and we work technically together so I think it all depends on what the need is at that time and you know to leverage your resources and for them to leverage you as well. So I have tons of mentors, but not all of them I speak to every day. Right. And I think that works really well. Okay, good. Vince, how about you? I mentors. Um, I was lucky to find my mentor in a conventional way. He, I sat outside his office and he told me I was in a volunteer role and I have to volunteer for events on campus. Dude, it's crazy. I got too much stuff to do to be volunteering for events. I just started the company. I'm trying to learn how to be a sales engineer. But you've seen between you know that casual relationship and volunteering with this this guy, we become to know each other on a personal level, and he became active in my personal career. He took a role in growing my task and meeting people I haven't I wouldn't have met before him, or growing my exposure, my network. So I think mentors are very important. Mm -hmm. um, Luckily, within Northrop, we have several programs that help find mentors, like mentoring a technical professional, which pairs you with a technical professional with mentor your career. But besides that, I think that you can go to any academic advisors or somebody having a career and ask for any help, and they should be able to help you guide your career path. Okay, good. A mentorship is, is critical, and I think folks that are still in school, as you um, share your experiences with academic advisors or um, so other people within that same realm, that's critical. That's a form of mentoring um, for those professionally. You reach out to some peers or maybe some folks that are in a different discipline than you are or maybe at a different level than you are. Um, all of those things are important. Mentorship also uh, is important to point out, uh, as I mentioned earlier, your blind spots, right? So there are areas that you do well in and there's some areas that you may need some work in, right? We call those opportunities, right? strengths and opportunities. Um, I have uh, mentors within the company, um, and I've been with the company a long time and, and senior in the company, but there are areas that I need to strengthen. And so I look to, uh, to other senior officers in the company to help me understand what those areas are. Because they can see how I operate. Uh, we all work together. Uh, we share opinions about things, and sometimes if I say it's supposed to go this way, they'll say, no, Dan, maybe more input is needed, right? That's kind of a blind spot. Um, so all those things are really critical, and, and a mentor can give you insight into different aspects. It can be personal, it can be professional, but it's all really important. So get a mentor um, and appreciate the relationship. 
so uh, I have one question for Fry. What do you do outside of Martha Prima? Um, I'm always trying things. Uh, I love to travel. Mm -hmm. If I could travel like half the year, I would. I'm not sure how that works. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I train, uh, I like to try new things just to keep growing outside of academics and work. Uh, so I recently, about a year ago, started training Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. I highly recommend. It's actually turned out to not be as much physical as mental. Uh, so if you want to step your mental game up, I uh, highly, highly. Uh, anyways, and I like to ride my motorcycle. Um, I like to go to the beach. I live, I live by the beach, so I run and just hang out fresh air. Uh, it's a must. Okay, excellent. So we need to keep Fry inside the building. <laughs> so as we let her out, she's going to be all over the world. And <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, not here. <laughs> I spent a number of years in California working at Redonda Beach, and um, so the company convinced me that I should move back to the East Coast. Um, my wife grew up in California, so I convinced her to come out here. We went through two winters, and she says, okay, so what's the plan? <laughs> so <clears throat> we're executing the plan. So um, I know that we have, to, uh, we have to get to wrap. Did I get the wrap-up sign some time ago? Did I? All right. Well, we, we, will, we will comply. Um, I have one closing question for um, each one of you panel members. And... Um, it's, it's a topical question, but it's, it's what advice would you share with our audience members to inspire them to continue on their journey, whatever journey they're on? Um, what would you advise them to inspire them to continue on their journey? Vince, let's start with you. Um, don't be afraid to fail. and Don't be afraid to ask for help. We mm -hmm. all fail. We all will fail. If you haven't failed yet, you probably will soon. No man's an island. We all need help getting anything done. So don't be afraid to reach out and ask for any kind of help that you may need, be professional or personal. Just make sure that people are going to look out for your best interest. And so keep that in mind when reaching out for any kind of help or assistance you may need. Mm. Good. Don't be afraid to fail. Money. So what would I recommend to be inspired or stay? To inspire them to continue, to continue on their journey, the journey that they're on now. And I know you don't know everybody out here, but. I would say do a self-check and verify if the journey that you're on is the one you want. Um, when I felt less than motivated at times, it was because something internal had switched directions and I didn't consciously realize it. So I would say stop, take a breath, is the current path or direction that you're on one that you actually want now and not something that you had thought of you know last week or last year um, and then also to separate external successes versus internal successes what's important to you versus what's important to society or what you may think uh, you may need to do to be successful i i'd like to say um, figure out what makes you satisfied and that will that should encourage you to keep going if it's satisfying you truly. Okay, excellent. Deshaun? I think one big thing for me is understanding that the journey that you're on, you're not on it alone, right? There's always support systems out there. I know especially uh, for school, 
it's very easy to get discouraged and you're doing homework that feels impossible, but you know, every year you somehow make it right. So it, you, you show yourself that you, you did the impossible. Right. And I think that's what, that's what kept me going, understanding that everyone else in my class was going through the same thing and we all survived. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think, I think that's something that's very important to keep in mind. Right. You've made it this far. So just keep going. Right. You will survive. Okay. Brian. Yeah, I've got to say this, just hang in there. Uh, if you put in any work at all, I promise you there will be, uh, there's a reward at the end, right? So sometimes it feels like you're stuck or, you know, discouraged, just hang in there. It, like, promise you, you will get a reward at the end. Excellent. Sam? Um, well, yeah, all the panelists are giving the same message. I would just say the same thing my mother told me. Tortoise won the race, not the hare. So whatever you're going through, whether it's a professor that's won't let you out, financial insecurities or things, but just problems, family issues, anything. Rainy days only last for so long. Eventually, the sun will come out again. But you don't want to stop under that storm cloud, do you? One foot in front of the other. We'll get there. Trust me. It's, uh, that's right. The journey's not over yet either, right? Um, and so um, I think everybody should just know that um, just I'll have one, one party more before we open up to Q&A. Um, part of the challenge that you'll find professionally um, is that you're never 100% ready for a next role. This goes to the comment about challenges and how you overcome them. Um, right now, for those of you in school and for those of you professionally looking at those next levels, um, it's almost an ideal state where you're absolutely ready for the next thing. Um, leaders in your company or even in your uh, professors in your school aren't looking for you to know absolutely everything today. They know that you're on a curve and they will constantly challenge you um, professionally, inside a company, um, we're looking for people to have stretch goals or stretch opportunities. And we'll put them in an assignment where we know they'll have to learn and do at the same time. Uh, so we're not looking for someone who's 100% ready for a job because we need to see how you manage the stress, how you manage the challenge, and how you lead inside that space. So very important, uh, journey's not done. It's never, never completely done, okay? Um, we're going to open it up now to uh, a Q&A from uh, anybody here on the floor that would like to share uh, a comment or have a question. I would ask, once again, that you go to the mic. So if we can clear a path to the mic in four different directions to make sure the folks can get there. It's a wireless mic. Go ahead. Yes, ma'am. Hello, everyone. I am Natasha Jugger of Melbourne, Florida. I work at Northrop Grumman Corporation. Um, the question I have for you guys, um, and as well as something that I need advice on is, so the title of this panel is Young, Gifted, and Black. And so all of us in this room, or all of us, we have some component of those three things. And all three of those things bring value. They bring value to the family that we're in, the schools that we attend, and the jobs that we choose to enter. My question to you is, when you're having those conversations about, okay, 
this is who I am, this is what I bring to the table, this is how I can leverage my skill set. How do you begin to have those seemingly tough conversations in terms of knowing your worth and your value? And I know that you know you can't we we're not gonna always get what we want when we first go into a job in terms of compensation and worth and value, but what advice um, and one of the things that I struggled with when I first came to Grumman was not having those mentors or people in place that could say, hey, okay, this is good. All right, take this. Okay, maybe have those conversations and kind of leveraging your skill set. What advice would you give? Uh, great question. I would say have the conversation with yourself first. And I think that it begins with convincing yourself that you are ready and you, you do have the skills. So what I like to do before I have any discussions with my management about performance, uh, self-assessment, is to look at the next level of leveling criteria. And I do bullet points for myself. Okay, they want someone who's a technical leader. Do I have examples of that? Check, check. They want someone who's uh, innovative, who can uh, mentor, things of that nature. And if you write it all down, you'll start to realize, hey, I have a lot of the qualities and the uh, desired characteristics that they want. I am ready for this. And the one area that I don't have, I already have a strategy to bridge that gap. So I think if you have that conversation with yourself, uh, you know, lock yourself in the room, get some pen and paper, or, or type it if you uh, prefer that. Just go through it. And I think you'll realize that you have a lot of what they're already looking for, if not more. Okay. Thanks, Sam. Yeah, and just to piggyback on what Lisa is again, one point. Uh, not important right a strategy to bridge the gap is critical and that's a conversation that doesn't uh, begin and end in one session right? you you have that conversation leading up to targeting opportunities okay yes sir hi everyone um, this is for Deshaun I also work in the IRAD world so my question for you is do you ever solve a problem and it's basically you need to stop yourself because it's good enough for the program that you're working on um, but then you could keep going on that problem and solve it for the next program that hasn't even happened yet so like when you're solving problems in the ired world like how do you i guess stop yourself or do you also like you know put in like an extra hour um a week or a day to build up the tools that you need to solve the problems not just for the program that you're currently working on but for the problems you're going to need for the next program. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Question. So something that I always try to do is, you know, try to understand if there's other uh, business divisions that can benefit from the work that I'm doing. Right. So I think getting connected at, at the corporate level, if you're working in a, in a larger company or a larger corporation, right, understanding, OK, here's what other sectors in the company are doing and here's how they could benefit and then finding a champion within your sector or your division 
that can vouch for you and say, hey, here's a good idea and here's the impact that can have at a, at a broader level. And that's something that, that we've tried to do on, on my research project, right? So something that we developed can be seemingly very specialized, but then going to, going to a, a VP or someone like that and saying, hey, we can use this and here's why it's beneficial, right? I think what people like to see are, okay, here's, here's bullet points of how this can help you know, at a broader level. And then once you get that buy-in, I think that it, it all just, everything else follows. Okay. I'm Sierra Mitchell and I'm from Atlanta, Georgia. And unlike most of the people here, I'm actually in high school and I'm an entrepreneur. Wow. And I was just wondering, is there anything that you guys did in high school or anything that you guys were exposed to that led you guys to be here? And do you have any advice to kind of make your kind of best your you guys remember that far back? High school is involved in a lot of activities, extracurricular activities that help promote STEMs. Or so, I mean, I did electronics clubs, which helped me refine that love of electronics that helped me eventually get into college that had electronics program. So. I think just honing your extracurricular extra activities in a field that you think you may want to go into would be helpful in bridging that gap between high school and college. Mm -hmm. Good point. Anybody else? Um, mm -hmm. I graduated from one of the, well, it used to be one of the 10 high schools that taught aviation uh, maintenance and flight training to high school students, but mm -hmm. you have to meet a certain criteria. And I graduated with a pilot's license, flying a driver's license. So again, to, to Vincent's point, just find out what your what your passion is. And I also did all four years in the Air Force ROTC. I wish it was the Navy, but hey, yeah. my, my dad got over that. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, again, just find out what your passion is, and just just you want to like build yourself from a holistic view of yourself, because that's when you apply to colleges. That's what they want to see. They don't want to see just a four point They want to know all of you. What are you into? What have you done? Why maintain maintain those grades? Uh, you'll be a better shot. Okay, great. I'm uh, Rashad. I'm a professional design engineer at Bowling. I've been working there for about three and a half years. Okay. And my question is kind of related to Dr. Williams. So, in school, you performed well, so I never really had like a super big failure. So, when I got to Bowling and I had my first big design review after working on the design for months, I get in front of 10 engineers and they written me apart. Personally, at first, I was like, am I a bad design engineer? Mm -hmm. But I didn't realize that the design process, process is like iterative. Mm -hmm. So it's very rare for a designer to be check all the boxes on the first time. So what's uh, some of the ways you came across to like deal with not taking uh, that criticism personally? Mm -hmm. And like, uh, I mean, I've gotten better with it over time, but I can't say that it's, I don't take it. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> still a work in progress. Mm -hmm. Well, well um, I would say, when I would go through situations like that, and it's happened plenty of times, uh, first thing to do is uh, go, go to my pastime, like go to my gym, hit the bag, you know, get that frustration off and kind of reset your brain. And then sit down and look at, you know, the actual process and what your checklist, what did you do in accordance to what you were told to do? And then, and while you're doing that, you'll, you'll be surprised how many times you can say, hey, I could have done this differently or better. And even the company may not have thought about this. So that, that gives you an opportunity to revamp your process and improve yourself. And also, you can sell something to the company and make their processes better. So that, that's how I, hand, I would handle situations like that. You're always going to take it personal, especially if you're a man of pride and a man of your work. 
Like, but at the end of the day, not everyone is you. Not everyone thinks like you. So you got to remember that and just say, you know what, let me take a step back because I know I'm good. Otherwise, why would they hire me? I'm here for a reason. So just, you know. It's hard, but you got it. You got the nail on the head, too. It's like the process is iterative. So, I mean, there's going to be many different revisions of the process. Like, we've seen drawings for that. There's an A, B, C, D, E, you know, because the first time is not the correct one, right? That's right. And that's going to be a process going forward. Like, your first time will not be the correct one. I had a C engineer. I had to write a document for SIMP, a program I had never been on before. SIMP is a system engineering metric plan. And, um, I was sweating over it. Like, I don't know what this is. Like, I can't do this. And I told him, I'm, I'm worried about this document. He's like, no offense, it's not going to be right. No matter how long you spend on it. Get it out. We'll read it, review it. If you do another revision, we'll get it to us right. And ever since then, I came in that mindset, you know, I'm going to do my best job the first time. And then if it's not right, we'll, we'll, we'll revert it. We'll work it again until it's correct. And that's been my story so far. It's worked pretty well. I agree. I'm for some of the new emerging technologies. We're on revision Y. We're trying to see if we're going to make it to Z. And then also, I'd like to say um, sometimes it's not the person, it's the process. So, is there anything that you can incorporate, maybe some design rules that for the next, you know, engineer or designer can assist in kind of averting some of these problems? So, I would look at the process as a whole, remove the person, and see if you can optimize it that way. Very important. Okay, great. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. Uh, my name is Jaylee Easter. I'm a freshman at the University of Maryland Eastern Shore. Okay. Um, I have had the opportunity to, to conduct research on campus into nanofabrication and actually microelectronics. Mm -hmm. um, and I've, I've found that the expectation with that is conducting research at the undergraduate level, you're sort of expected to continue it into graduate school to get a graduate degree. Um, so my question is more so for Sam, but I guess it can be um, answered by any of you guys. Uh, how did you know that the path to your degree was the right fit for you? Like uh, first going into the industry and then getting your PhD, how did you decide to do that instead of going straight through and then joining the industry? Mm -hmm. Well, um, my path was kind of unique because um, Bill Gates, I was one of the Bill Gates Millennium Scholars, so I had a all my education was paid for. And it was, you know, I'm sitting there thinking to myself, like I'm you know, undergrad, graduate degrees, I'm working on the theoretical. I need to get some practical hands-on in what I'm learning. And, you know, just like what Sean said, you know, like what I thought I wasn't gonna see, like if you anyone in category engineering, you know, when they do design machine elements, trust me, you're not gonna forget that. And it's annoying. So then I was like, okay, now I got the practical hands-on. Um, Bill Gates hit me and said, hey, you want to use the rest of his money or no? Well, who's going to turn down Bill Gates? Like, come on. So then I just continued on and then just having that the industry experience, knowing that um, it's not all about just the product itself, it's the holistic system. That's where systems engineering kicked in. And then I said, hey, let me find uh, a degree where I can just dive in and really learn and hone my skills that way. And then, you know, everything's kind of meshed together. So how did I know that? Uh, right place, right time. Again, doing a self-check, like when you believe you've been preaching this entire time, I would listen. You know, always do a self-check and make sure you're passionate about what you're doing. Because the worst thing you want to do is sit 80 hours uh, every two weeks on something you don't enjoy. Trust me, you want to hurt yourself, but don't do that. <laughs> yeah, that's, I hope I answered your question. You did, thank you. Okay, great. Thanks. One last question I think we have. Oh, awesome. 
<laughs> Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon. Jabril Mohammed, Naval Surface Warfare Center, Philadelphia Division, civilian engineer. Great. A lot of times as an entry-level employee, when you come in, you may not be getting the projects you think you should. You may have lulls in your workday plan and things like that. Have you ever encountered, and can you speak to the importance of filling in the gaps? What I mean is one of the, um, a manager, not of mine, but a adjacent a division, said sometimes you do have those lulls, but the ability for you to see a need and fill it, whether it's some spreadsheet you've created or something that some, you've uh, advanced a process, have you had that experience and, and what's the value in doing so when it comes up? I'd say you gotta look for them. Um, so what I used to do, if it was an open door meeting, I would just pop in um, and see what's going on, what people are talking about, if they're having issues, and I would just listen uh, to what's going on. And then uh, sometimes they will begin to administer the action items. And if there was one that I could take, if it was just following up with you know, an engineer about a concept that I didn't know much about, but I could at least get the response and then funnel it back, then I would take that action item. So I think you just gotta, gotta go for it and just ask, is there any way that I can be of use? A lot of times there are uh, external funds for continuous improvement. Uh, for me, it's for the fab area or integration, and you can offer your assistance there. You don't always have to be a lead on the initiative, but you can uh, have a supporting role until you feel confident enough to, to take it over. Great. Sure. Um, also, it may seem like a lot more work on yourself, taking care of your responsibilities and also looking for other stuff, but think of it as going above and beyond the call of duty is your time to shine. Because it sets you apart from everyone else who's not doing They're not doing that for a reason, it might be undoable, but nothing's undoable, just a problem. But we defeat that mindset, you know, you'll be much more successful. Excellent. Thank you. And so I think we're going to wrap up here because I've gotten the red card at least three times by now and folks have come in from the outside. There's, there it is again. Um, I want to thank um, the panelists here, uh, Deshaun Brown, Fry Jadembo, Dr. Monique Farrell, um, Vince Potier, and Sam Williams for joining us here uh, this afternoon. Appreciate all of you for coming in and sharing your perspectives as well. I hope you learned something. I hope you're inspired. Um, by what you've heard. Uh-oh, there's the music. It's just like in the Emmys. So we appreciate everything, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to Young, Gifted, and Black, a professional development seminar presented by Northrop Grumman Corporation featuring Sector Vice President of Enterprise Services and Chief Information Officer, Daniel Scott. Systems Engineer, Mission Systems Sector, Deshaun Brown. Cyber Systems Engineer, Aeronautics Sector, Farai Jadembo. Materials Process Engineer, Mission Systems Sector, Dr. Monique Farrell. Systems Engineer, Mission Systems Sector, Vincent Poteet and Mechanical Engineer, Aeronautic Systems, Sam Williams. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Bay of STEM Global Competitiveness Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www.baya.org. For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.